In a global industry where anything can happen, where mistakes cost much more than dollars, we bring you expertise from around the world to ensure that everyone goes home safe every day. The internationally acclaimed Oil & Gas HSE podcast starts now with your host, Russell Stewart. Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the OGGN HSE podcast sponsored by Endris and Hauser, a global leader in process automation and measurement instrumentation. Endris and Hauser, they are your people for process automation. Well, our theme, making sure we all come home or come back home safe every day. Someone told me they're trying to figure out how to stay safe while at home. <laughs> and I know this has been a trying situation in this COVID-19 pandemic. You're probably still at home as you will be listening to this. So I thought, you know, this is health, safety, and the environment, which actually I'm going to introduce my guest here in just a minute. We're going to be talking about the environment today. But being safe at home, I have a friend who sort of lives in a country subdivision, has quite a few kids and grandchildren, and they have this huge porch in their backyard, which their backyard's, you know, close to an acre. And so they have these rules for what is entitled in this house. In this house, we laugh a lot. We count our blessings. We forgive quickly. We make mistakes. We make memories. We love deeply, we cherish friends, we say I'm sorry, and we live life. So there's some, hopefully some motivation for you today. You know, the old, I know things are tough right now, but in a lot of situations, it really is true. It's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it doesn't matter. So I have as my guest today, a fellow named Mark, and he's got a real tough last name. His last name is Smith. So I got Mark Smith on the line. How you doing, Mark? I'm good, man. Actually, it's Mark Houston Smith. Houston Smith. So you must be from Texas. Yep. My dad's side is from Texas and I got my name, well, from my dad's Paul Houston Smith, but he was named after Sam Houston. And my family always drilled into me the amazing things that Sam Houston did for our country and remember the Alamo and all that good stuff. So proud to have the name Mark Houston Smith. Well, Sam Houston was a great guy. We have people listening to this podcast all over the world. Of course, we have a lot of them in Texas. And also, you're in Colorado right now. Is that right? That's right. Uh huh. And whereabouts in Colorado? So I live in Windsor, about an hour north of Denver in uh, oil and gas country. That definitely is oil and gas country, affectionately referred to by some people as North Texas. Although I don't think they appreciate that in, in Colorado. So my apologies for that. I interviewed a couple other guys from Colorado the other day, and that's what they called it. But getting back to the fact that we do have an international audience, probably most of you have heard of Denver, Colorado, and you should be aware that it's in the middle of the Western Rocky Mountains. Very, very beautiful state. However, when it comes to environmental regulations, which is what we're going to talk about here in just a minute, it can be tough, maybe because it is such a beautiful state. Do you ski, Mark? Every now and then, a couple times a year. Okay. All right. Anyway, for those of you who don't know, Colorado is one of the skiing capitals of the United of States. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Getting back to Sam Houston, for those of you who don't know, Sam Houston was the general who won the Battle of San Jacinto, which gave Texas its independence. In case you don't know, according to the History Channel, the Battle of San Jacinto, which was won in 18 to 21 minutes, it's listed as one of the top 10 most important battles in modern history because of what it eventually did as far as establishing territory in the United States. Mark, have you been to Houston? Oh, yeah. Bunch of times. Okay. Have you ever been to Huntsville? Yes. Have you seen the Sam Houston statue? Oh, yeah. Listen, anytime people find out I got the name Sam Houston, they take me to everything Sam Houston related, right? So I've been to all the different memorials and museums and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. You know, and that doesn't just include Texas. That would also be Tennessee too, right? Right. Oh, yeah. I went been to the schoolhouse that Sam Houston learned from. So, yeah. Sam Houston, it's a very interesting story. I'm going to have to get off of it because I'm a Texas history buff. But, you know, Sam Houston was very nearly one of the presidents of the United States. That didn't work out, and he wound up becoming the first president of the Republic of Texas and his first governor as well. But let's get back to Colorado. Let's get back to the environment. Mark, Colorado is a tough state for the environment, right? Yeah, that's right. And let me, let me back up. I don't want to say tough state because, you know, we're all very concerned about the environment. In fact, I tell people OGGN has several different podcasts and, you know, like one's onshore, one's offshore, one's this, one's that. And so you may or may not be interested in in all of them. But I tell people everybody should be interested in the HSE podcast because we should all be interested in health, safety and the environment. But let's say Colorado can be, well, I'll let you explain it. Let's go from there. Yeah. So my background is actually IT. And I started a magazine back in the 90s called Windows NT Magazine. And it was a partnership with Microsoft. And we're in 160 countries and 13 languages. And so I've been an IT guy in software development for a long time. I had a good friend of mine who's in oil and gas for years and years, engineer, and he had just gotten laid off. And so I said, hey, why don't you come on over? sit in the hot tub before the whole COVID thing. Anyway, and just, right. he's going, man, he goes, hey, this oil and gas industry is tough and got all these regulations coming out. This group, Energy Strong, came together to knock down Prop 112, which is about the setbacks. So we're talking about that. He says, man, we got some new ones coming up. Okay, hang on. Hang on just a minute. Okay, nobody knows what Prop 112 is, so explain that real well, quick. Well, that just changed the setbacks and saying, so if you're in an urban area, you know, near houses or commercial property, you got to be back at least, you know, 1,500 feet. And that would have changed the sort of landscape of how you can do, you know, where you can drill and whatnot. And so that went down. So this is what I probably didn't do a very good job of explaining a while ago, but it was a backdoor way of trying to use the environment to shut down drilling. Exactly. And so this group came together, which is actually now, you know, one of the co-founders is Luke Coates, who now is a business partner of mine, but they put this advocacy group together, Dustin Case and Jack Hamlin, and, and really rallied the communities together and people were putting placards in their in their houses and the thing went down. So they were celebrating. But as you know, the, the mythical story of Hydra, where you cut the head off of one dragon and 12 appear in its place, that's exactly what happened. So now there's a new regulation, SB 181, that has literally 12 components to it. And one of the components is after a certain date that 
you have to do continuous methane leak detection. Okay. Now that's a big deal because currently Eldar teams go out and they inspect a pad and then they'll go on to the next one and the next one. And so let's say a group of six Eldar people can inspect a hundred pads a month, right? And then they rotate and they go do it again. But if you have to go to continuous, there's no way you'd have to hire 93% more people. And people literally have to live on oil and gas pads to continuously check for, for methane. Now, some people could say, well, I'll take a gamble at that. You know, how can the regulators get it out to every pad and check us out? But the way the regulation reads is, okay, we go out to a pad, we assume there's a leak. You have to prove you're guilty until proven innocent. You have to prove right. the last time that you inspected this pad. So if it was 30 days since you did it, it's $15,000 a day. So a month would be 450 grand fine per pad per leak. So yeah, there's a big hefty fine for not complying with this, this new deal. So then we have to say, all right, well, how can we, how can we solve that particular problem? If I just put a, let's say, take one of those cooled FLIR cameras and stick it on a pad in a fixed position, then I still got to have human beings look at all these images because you know, if they're just looking at colors and stuff, you need a human being to, to decipher it and determine, hey, is there a leak there? Or I use AI software, which is my background, to then say, okay, I'll have the computer look at the images 24 by 7, never take a rest. And then if it finds a leak, then alert the operator within a minute or two of saying, hey, I found a leak. This is the exact part on the pad that's leaking. Go fix it. So that's, that's how we decided, okay, we can, here's a particular compliance deal. You can fight it, but hey, it's, it's going to happen, right? And I can tell you where it's even going. I, I got this article, it's talking about this environmental organization that raised 150 million bucks. And basically right now they're flying planes over all of the oil rich basins with these really high sensitive OGI cameras, essentially looking for leaks and then notifying the regulators and basically within 18 months they're going to have that from satellite so oh really so now they're using planes and not drones right well there's planes drones whatever but now they're going to move to satellite yeah so basically the government will have the ability to do real-time methane or any kind of ogi you know 18 voc gases all the time Okay. Wow, that's very interesting. Now, you say the government, now you, you said this was an environmental advocacy group. Are they the ones that are going to put the satellites in space or, or is it going to be the government? Yeah, they're raising the money privately, but their customer will be the government. I got you. Buy access to this. And then, now, that's not going to have super a lot of detail. Like it will say, hey, the leak is somewhere here. Okay. And obviously, it's going to have to be a pretty big leak for it to see it from there. But, you know, again, if you haven't inspected your pad in a while, or I'll talk about another regulation that's coming out in Colorado called Reg 7, Regulation 7. Now, wait, you say Reg 7 is coming up, is it? Actually, it's in place. It kicked in May 1st. Oh, right. Okay. So any pad that it was created after May 1st or fills out a Form 2A, which is the where you make a substantive change to a pad. And so then you have to now prove so, for example, adding new tanks to a pad. As you know, oil prices are really low because people didn't have enough places to store them. All the storage places are filled. So 
if you have a pad that isn't connected directly to midstream, right? You got to store that oil somewhere, you know, on the pad and wait for a pumper truck. Okay. The current emission standard starting May 1st says, Hey, maximum amount of gases, VOC gases you can emit on that pad per year is two tons. Okay. Well, there is a standard process today where you take a tank that has a waveguide radar on it to measure the level of a tank. Well, what happens with a waveguide is it builds a paraffin. And the current method is oh, it builds a paraffin, it starts to lose its sensitivity. So you open a tank. And when you open that tank, probably about a ton of emissions come out and then you close it. Well, that's, that's the standard way people do it today. But with this new regulation, sorry, if you opened one tank twice a year, you're done. You've emitted your total allotment for the entire year. So now what? What if you got eight, 10 you know, tanks in your battery? You have a problem, okay? So now operators are saying, hey, I need a way to measure the level of a tank without using that waveguide radar anymore, literally with a non-invasive way where I never have to open that tank again. And so we came up with a, you know, an infrared camera with an AI solution on top of that that can me measure the tank levels. So you have methane gases that you need to check for in real time. So you need a camera plus AI, what I call a smart camera solution. And then you have now tank level monitoring where you need a smart camera solution as well. So these, these new regulations, which by the way, I believe will end up being adopted by almost every state at some point. Colorado is very influential in environment type stuff. So, well, that which is which is interesting. So, you mentioned Energy Strong. Yeah. Let me ask you about them. Are they just in Colorado? No, actually, when they formed, it kind of created a bit of a movement. So, there's already now 16 chapters. They're in 16 states now and growing. Yeah, for people who don't know about it, I'm going to let you, Mark, explain a little bit more about it. The reason that I wanted to really emphasize it is because of what you just said, you know, where we're going with some of these very stringent regulations and the fact that you've got the, for example, advocacy group that you talked about that raised $150 million to do all this stuff. And we're out there acting like, you know, David against Goliath when it comes to all these, you know, what I affectionately refer to sometimes as environmental wackos, you know, we don't do a real good job of defending our industry. And I think that's what Energy Strong is doing, is it not? That's right. In fact, Energy Strong will get called up, let's say, because another thing that happened with SB 181 is they now instead of there just being one central body to come up with all regulations, they also allow a local county to also weigh in and say, hey, we're on top of the state regulations, we're adding our own. And in some cases, like in Boulder County, effectively shutting out any new drilling. They actually did that in a county, or, or they tried to do it in a county in Texas. The legislature shut it down, but that happened in Texas. Right. And so what Energy Strong will do is, let's say a county is going to have a hearing, public hearing, and they need an expert to talk about you know, how the producers actually are producing clean energy and whatnot, and really articulate 
information to answer questions. So Energy Strong will send someone there to advocate on the position, you know, for the producers in that deal. And really Energy Strong is about changing the narrative that, you know, if the public opinion goes one way of saying, hey, oil and gas, it's a dirty and unsafe business to say, no, I mean, these operators are some of the most sophisticated land development people on the planet. And they are using every thing in their power, technology, emissions control, whatever, to create as safe, you know, producing energy as safely as possible. Notwithstanding the the other argument of like, hey, you still need oil and gas guys. You know, you can't run the whole country on, you know, wind or solar anyway. So like, where does all that electricity come from? And we can get into that argument, but just basically changing the, the narrative is part of what energy strength. I like that expression, changing the narrative. That's what we have got to do. Actually, we have to change the narrative. For me, we have to respond. To me, that's what we've not done a good job of doing. And rather than trying to change the narrative, we've acquiesced to the narrative. And I appreciate what you said. People need to understand when we talk about maybe some of these over-the-top stringent environmental regulations, we are not for dirty air and dirty water. We're not for unsafe rigs. In fact, the oil and gas industry, as you just said, has in many ways led the way. They've embraced AI in ways that just, you know, weren't even imaginable just you know, a few years ago, right? That's right. And that's why we created cleanconnect.ai. So it's it's really the experience of 30 years of oil and gas automation, engineering, you know, what I call the operational technology. Those are my business partners, along with my 30 years experience in IT. So OT plus IT coming together to say, hey, how can we use, you know, the best of what we know about operational technology and this brand new AI smart camera type solutions to solve these problems and then actually show with science and prove beyond a shadow of a doubt, we're actually complying, right? We can show down to the second, hey, this pad is clean. Here's the data to prove it, right? It's not like he said, she said, we can prove beyond a shadow of a doubt exactly how we're, you know, complying and being good, you know, environmental citizens and all this stuff. Plus solve a a number of other issues that have come up. I mean, the common problems that the customers are facing are number one, they say like millions of miles of truck rolls, for you know, going out to a pad, inspecting this and that, that don't really actually move the needle, right? It doesn't. It doesn't increase profitability. Just something that we've always done, right? And no, in fact, it creates safety issues. Exactly, and that's the thing. People's perception, who aren't in the industry, think, "Oh, well, these pads must be where all the safety problems happen." Uh-uh. It's actually in the truck accidents going to and from the pad. That's the number one issue. That is exactly right, and not only the loss to life and limb, but the spills on top of it. Right. And so if you can remotely monitor and manage that pad, you can do that. Now, if you just put cameras out there, that's that's good because then you can see what's going on. But again, you still would require a bunch of guys staring at screens trying to interpret the results. You add the AI to it and the machine models, and now the computer is looking at it 24 by 7 and then only sending you the alerts that are actionable. Because... You know, one of the other problems we would hear from guys is like, okay, I got my SCADA system set up, sending me alerts, but I'm getting so many alerts, I keep throwing bodies at it to figure out what's actionable or not. And I hate getting woken up in the middle of the night with some alert that is not really an alert. So 
you know, we got to let the, the machines do a little more work and in interpreting the results and then kind of only get you alerted if there's something serious you got to deal with. I think the other thing is that we're in this sort of, I don't know, new abnormal with the low price of oil. And you can either say, well, I just wait till things get back to 60 to 100 or whatever so I can get back to normal and start operating at a profit or say, well, what if they stay low? Then what? I got to figure out how to operate more efficiently and still make a profit even if the price is you know, in the range that we're at now. And the way to do that and the way other, other industries have done it is through further levels of automation, remote monitoring and management of pads, right? So this is going to require a new type of skill set, what I call the digital roughneck, where you know a guy measures the success by the number of pads he can manage remotely, not the number of miles he puts on his truck. But that's okay. It's where we're going. And I can tell you that the digital roughneck, the value to an organization will be substantial because you know it really is a mix of skill set. You still need all the mechanical design stuff so you know how separators work and all this other stuff. But now you also understand the environmental stuff. So you're, you're up to speed on things like I just mentioned, EPA and SB 181 and Regulation 7 and the typical stuff you've got like your SCADA and your total flow and your PLCs, but now brand new stuff like cameras and AI and networking and intelligent edge and wireless access control. So bringing all those skill sets together into a digital roughneck who can really manage remotely and manage these pads. Well, and that's exactly right. And it's in this depressed oil and gas market right now, you know, where the Saudis and the Russians decided to get into it with the West Texas shale producers. And then you bring this COVID-19 pandemic on top of everything else. And it's just created this perfect storm Talking about what we've talked about today is a little ray of sunshine. And I really appreciate you, Mark Houston Smith, for <laughs> coming on the podcast. This is great information. I tell you what we're going to do, Mark, I'm going to get you to send me your LinkedIn URL, also your website, so that people can get in touch with you and your company. We'll put that in the show notes. Also, if you will, send me the Energy Strong website or LinkedIn or whatever. We're going to put that in the show notes, too. I want to encourage people to check out Energy Strong. And so, again, Mark, I can't thank you enough. I can't thank all of you who have tuned in and listened and can't thank our sponsor enough, Endress and Hauser. So please tune in again next week for another episode of Endress and Hauser's Oil and Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Anderson Hauser is your reliable U.S.-based partner for measurement instrumentation services and solutions. We are your people for process automation. Discover more about Anderson Hauser at cx.endress.com forward slash HSE dash podcast. And you can register for our monthly podcast giveaway there. You can also follow us on LinkedIn at Anderson Hauser Group and on Twitter at Endress underscore U.S. And I don't know why tell you all that every week. You don't have to remember it. You can simply find it in the show notes, but please do go there, visit our sponsor, register for our monthly giveaway, and please leave us a review on iTunes and tell your friends about us. See you next time. 
Hey everybody, Alex here with the events on deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on, but we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering. It has been free. We want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home. So please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events. We are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound. Tune in next week for another engaging episode of the Oil & Gas HSE podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at OGGN.com.